I used to get up all the time at night to go to the bathroom. It was driving me crazy. I tried every different kind of prescription medication out there. Finally, I found Preso brand Apuntima. It comes in men's and women's formulas, is an all-natural herbal remedy that helps with urinary problems. Get Preso. It helped me, and it can help you too. Visit Preso.com. That's Preso.com. Welcome to all of you who love God, Torah, and Israel. This is Noahide Nations Radio. I'm Jim Long, and here's your host, Ray Patterson. Hi, Ray. Hey, Jim. How you doing? It's great to have you back. How was the trip? Well, it was uh, very lengthy. It was uh, much uh, longer than I thought it was going to be. And uh, uh, for anybody that's that's interested, I was uh, in Germany for a few days, and but I spent most of the trip uh, shooting video in uh, in Cairo, Egypt. And it was a pretty interesting trip. It was it was interesting from the standpoint of being um, in Egypt during the uh, the uh, Gaza war. Uh, actually, what did what did we we call it then? The 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 the, the attempt to root out uh, Hamas in Gaza campaign. <laughs> right. Um, so and here, and here, Jim. I thought you were on the beaches. I was going to ask you, how's the sand? How's the water? Uh, yeah. So you know, yeah. and and if you listen to a recent show that I I did uh, uh, on my own, uh, you'll probably slap my hand because I do mention the beaches. But apparently, you weren't on the beaches. I wish I had been on the beaches. In <laughs> fact, you know, we uh, for for those of you who've been watching the weather and weren't part of the weather, uh, two days after I got back, we got hit by a bit uh, rather large ice storm. So we were without power for about six days. So it was like pioneer days, and then we we got a generator, and then it was like pioneer days with the internet. So <laughs> pretty pretty interesting experience. But I I have to tell you, Ray, it was a real eye opener, and, and I, I I mean nobody will be surprised. Uh, when, when I say that w- while I was in Egypt during the uh, uh, the war to try to root out Hamas out of Gaza, it's no surprise to anybody that the, the press coverage, of course, was uh, extremely tilted in favor of uh, the Palestinians in Gaza. Oh, something um, new. Yeah, well, you know, the funny thing is I, I was there's two newspapers that I kept for my trip. Uh, on the way over, when I was flying over, you know, if you fly overseas, they hand you a thing called the International Gazette on some of the flights. And I was really struck by uh, an article that I read that I, I if, if no one saw it, I'm not going to share the whole article, but I was I was so struck. Actually, it, it wasn't the International Gazette. It was the uh, it was a weekend edition of the Wall Street Journal that they handed out. And and uh, what struck me was because. As we said, there was no surprise that there was a lot of uh, anti-Israel rhetoric in the press, especially in Europe and among the liberal press, if there is any other kind here in this country, except for Fox News, God bless them. But there was a, an interview featured in the uh, weekend edition. Actually, it was an excerpt from an interview with the, um, the Czechoslovakian foreign minister, a gentleman by the name of uh, Karol Schwarzenberg. And he's one of the few people that that was a in a world leadership possession a position rather who was not following the anti-Israel line when they were trying to root out uh, the Palestinians in Gaza. 
And let me just read you quickly what he said in an interview. Uh, He said, quote, let us realize one thing. Hamas increased steeply the number of rockets fired at Israel since the ceasefire ended back in December 19th. That is not acceptable anymore. And then he he went on to say that uh, that why am I not why am I one of the few that have expressed an understanding for Israel? And he said further, I am enjoying the luxury of telling the truth. Well, and God I, bless him. Yeah. I, that's it's stunning yeah. uh, that that he would come forward. I wonder how many death threats uh, he's received from these people for peace. Well, I'm sure I'm sure the peaceful uh, people of of uh, Hamas probably have already got a contract, a, a um, what do they call it? A, um, I can't think of what it's called. But anyway, the point being is, is that, that this is not surprising in one respect, because if you know your history, you know that Czechoslovakia uh, was in the very same place right before the outbreak of World War II when Hitler uh, was trying to invade Czechoslovakia, but he, but he tried to do so by crossing through a, a strip of land uh, called the Sudetenland, and it was occupied by a, a large German population, and he sent his agent provocateurs into the Sudetenland, and he stirred up the German population and said that they were being mistreated by the Czechoslovakians because they were Germans, and that they wanted autonomy. And so what happened is, is uh, Neville Chamberlain from Britain uh, conducted uh, a series of, of uh, uh, shuttled diplomatic uh, trips to Czechoslovakia, speaking to the 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 uh, the head of Czechoslovakia, then traveling over and talking to you know De Fuhrer, you know Hitler, and because Hitler was 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 saying if if they don't leave the Germans alone, I'm going to march into Czechoslovakia. So finally, all the nations of Europe finally uh, convinced the Czechs to give up the Sudetenland to, so that the Germans living there could be in their own little pocket of Germany. And, of course, when this happened, uh, Chamberlain goes back to England and utters those famous words, we will have peace in our time. The Czechoslovakian president said his famous words, we have been basely betrayed. And, of course, a few months later, Hitler rolled into Czechoslovakia, breaking his promises. And as we know... Uh, history does repeat itself, and we often don't learn from history. So that this Czechoslovakian uh, official knew what he was talking about. He didn't. He didn't invoke his own history, but he had that clear-eyed vision to see what was going on with with uh, between Hamas in Gaza and, of course, the Israelis who were simply defending their homeland. But I, I was struck because every day I I was in a very nice hotel in Cairo, and every day they would slip an, a, a newspaper under my door, the way most hotels do, and it was called the um, the Egyptian Gazette. It's an English language newspaper, and you can already guess the direction they were they were taking uh, when it came to the war because the the editor in chief's first name is Ramadan. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Rabbanam A. Kader, and every day I, I was I had to read you know these these screeds against Israel and the massacre they were conducting and all. I mean, it was just this pure rhetoric. And the one thing I was telling you when I got back that was so hilarious is that every day they were talking about the massacre against the Palestinians. And of course, they, you know they they haven't verified these numbers. I think it was something like twelve hundred or something like that. And they've yet to show us the graves or you know 
But the the funny thing that happened was near the end of the uh, uh, campaign, they had a full color picture of this little street urchin, this little Palestinian girl sitting on rubble, it's supposedly the ruins of her of somewhere in Gaza. And um, I have to tell you, I I saw a lot of pictures of of kids sitting on the rubble every day in the paper, and it was the same rubble, by the way. And, <laughs> imagine um, that. Imagine that. And and what was really funny is this newspaper was having such a hard time trying to find pictures like this that in this issue that I'm holding in my hands, it's it's dated Friday, January 23rd. It has a full color picture of this little girl, this Palestinian girl, reading a paper in the rubble of her home. It says. And if you go two pages deep into the paper, there's another anti-Israel story. And they use the same exact photograph, but, but it's in black and white. Uh-huh. And so, you know, I, I guess the reason that I bring all this up is because, first of all, you know, they're, they're positioning the Palestinians as the victims of terror. You know, uh, even though Israel was, you know, basically, we all know, defending themselves against the, the continual uh, lobbing of of rocket fire uh, from from Gaza, and you and I have been talking a lot about uh, you know the uh, who who are the real victims of terror worldwide, right. and of right. course more than anybody it's the Israelis, and you said you wanted to do something about it, and and I would I would like to uh, to take part of today's show to talk about this idea that you had because. I felt very, very good about hearing about it when I got back because uh, the people in Israel know the truth about Gaza, and it will eventually come out one of these days. We don't know when, but um, well, uh, it, it's funny that uh, you're, you you mentioned this because uh, sitting here listening to you, to you uh, getting the newspapers and everything, I was thinking, well, boy, he must have kind of felt like uh, felt like he was at home listening to or watching CNN or NBC or something. Well, because you know, it's the same old story. It doesn't matter where you're at. It I just know. Is. I know. And you know, the funny thing is, there there was some they they interviewed the same paper interviewed the Gazette interviewed some uh, professor. At a, at a college in Egypt, and, um, and 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 his words, whether he realized it or not, had a, a, an amazing biblical ring to them, if you will, because he said something like, um, uh, something, I think the, the phrase he uttered was, you know, the, all the nations hate Israel right now. And I, I read that, and I thought, my, my God, I mean, this is, the man doesn't realize I mean, he's repeating the words of the prophets, you know, and how yes, we, we would come, absolutely. how we would come to a time where the 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 nations would rage and imagine a vain thing, and it said that Hashem would sit in the heavens and laugh, and I think that's what I'm hearing right now. That sound you hear, <laughs> that sound you hear, is our Creator having a great laugh because the world imagines this thing. And they're listening to to vanities. They're listening, you know. So, um, well, it's go I, ahead. I was you going to say? Something? I, I was thinking the 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 same thing is going on as it relates to the news media, the protesters. For some reason, none of these people can truly see what is going on any more than they can see the judgment which is now beginning to occur around the world, and I'll talk specifically about here in the United States, with the devastation of this country's 
economy. A once financial power is now struggling to put the life jacket on and get to shore. And what they don't see is that this this is judgment by Hashem because of what we're doing. And we're one of the countries who, at least on paper and at least in front of the public, appear to be supporting Israel. And I think we're rapidly approaching that time when that won't be the case. Well, you know, the thing that really struck me when I was over in Egypt, the, the thing that was so very, again, the, the, the words of this professor, you know, having this, this biblical ring to it. The other thing that, that amazed me was, um, you know, I would continue in my off period, I would continue to go online and, and, and read the Torah Parsha for that particular week. And I don't know if I'm stating the obvious or not, but did, did you realize that, that, that the day that Barack Obama took the oath of office, do you, do you realize what the Torah Parsha was for, for that week? Actually, I, I don't recall. I just had so many things on my plate. I'm lucky to remember my name. In fact, I'm looking down at my, my name tag just so I know who I am. Well, I, uh, So prob- go ahead and probably, refresh my memory. I know yeah, I read the, the part, so I just don't know which one it was. It, it sent chills down my spine because I, here I was sitting in, in, in the land of the pharaohs where, where this story literally took place. In fact, I was in a hotel in, in, in uh, a suburb of Cairo uh, the suburb is called Heliopolis, and that is the Greek name, Ray, for what used to be the city of On. And Joseph, Joseph was a uh, was he he worked for a high priest of the city of On in the story of Joseph. And but but here is what really gave me chills. I was sitting here where occupying the the ground where at one time the Israelites probably had some of their own land when they were given the land in the Delta, because the closer you get to the northern part of, of Egypt, of course, the, the closer you get to the, to the Delta. And we know that, that this is pretty much what, what, which, what was the land of, of Goshen, also called Kesson in antiquity. And, um, but, but, but the Torah Parsha, the same week that, that Barack Obama took the, fo- the oath of office, uh, read with these very words, there arose a new pharaoh in Egypt who knew not Joseph. Oh, my gosh. And isn't that staggering? That just penetrates my very being. Uh, that's, that's incredible. Well, and you know, you know prophetically, uh, the Western world, not only we, we know from our study that the, the Western world is, of course, uh, Edom, but, but prophetically, it, it is also likened to, to Egypt. And and because it's likened to Egypt in many ways, because it it carries on many of the same concepts, which have been carried down by all of the the the, the four world empires that have oppressed uh, the people of Israel through history. They have continued to carry on many of the principles of ancient Egypt, uh, spiritually, uh, politically, in some ways. And uh, you know, Hashem wants the, the the Jewish people to come out of Egypt and to make their their aliyah to the land uh, that he promised them, Eretz Israel. So it's very fitting that that the most powerful country, because in the day that that those words uh, took effect, that there arose a pharaoh in Egypt who knew not Joseph, Egypt was the world power in that day. Right, right. And so we have the same, we have a world power today 
with a new pharaoh taking taking office. And uh, I, I just being there in Egypt and reading those words just resonated so deeply in me. And and uh, I felt very alone sometimes, by the way, uh, <laughs> because even though my host, the, the the gentleman that I was working for, this this job that I was on was an Egyptian. Uh, he, uh, he he wasn't a Muslim, by the way. He was Coptic. And, you know, the Coptics are Christians. So they hmm. do. They do believe in the Bible. Of course, they are right. Christians. So they believe in they believe in the New Testament. And he and I have had discussions about that. But it's really funny because even at times he would default to being more of an Egyptian than he was a Coptic Egyptian. Because I remember one day he, he excitedly told his daughter we were we were driving to his office. He said, have you heard the Israelis are burning their passports in, in uh, to show their support with the people in, in Gaza? And I, had, I, I said to him, I'm sorry, you know, first of all, that's probably five people in Egypt doing that, and they're 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 liberals in in Israel doing that, and the liberals in Egypt don't represent uh, the majority of the people of of the land of Israel today. They're, they're just like the liberals over here. They're very loud, they're very outspoken, but they don't represent the the real voice of the people. And I told him, I said, there is no way in the world there are not throngs and masses of people. And he says. Well, I just heard that, and and then he backed off because he realized because I'd warned him years before when I when I'd done some work for him. I said, "You do know that I'm very pro-Israel." Before I even come to Egypt, you no. And he told me he says, "No, I love Israel too. I've worked in Israel, so I don't know if he did or not." But but it was funny how in a moment a momentary lapse, he in front of me he 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 sort of defaulted to the old Egyptian way of thinking that they're the bad guys, you know. Well, uh, uh, Jim, I got to tell you, I hope you've cashed his check already and know that it's good or that he's not an Israel National Radio listener. <laughs> I, don't, I, not, I hope you didn't get yourself yeah. in trouble with him by being uh, out, outspoken about this. But, uh, you know, I don't find it uh, uh, unique. I mean, for people like you and I, we, we do tend to run into these. It was probably uh, far stranger for you to be in, in, a, in a foreign land, seeing the uh, emotional capacity level that these people take it to. Uh, but, you know, like I say, at the same time, I hope you cash the check, and uh, he's not a listener. <laughs> we're, we're good, and we're clear, and he's not a listener, so I... <laughs> You I know, it's we're funny, we're, we're sitting here talking about the, the news, and, and you brought up the Parsha, and this is something that is just always uh, giving given me awe of Hashem, it is, you know, when uh, we talk about the words uh, to fear Hashem, you know, what does that mean? And most people initially take it as, you know, being afraid of Him. Gosh, if I don't uh, do His commandments, He'll strike me down. And they have that that uh, that real basic level of fear. But yet there's the, the fear that's the real fear, and that is having awe of Hashem. Sure. And the Parshas, with current events, Give me such great awe for Hashem because it's almost like reading today's newspaper. Well, you can you yeah. can read a parsha, and as you're reading it, you can look around the world, and it's the it's the application that is going on right around you. It's just a matter of are you able to see it or not. Yeah, well, you know, any, anybody who studied, studied the Torah knows that. And has has a grasp as we have so been blessed to, to study with some great teachers and, and great rabbis. 
uh, and, and I hope our Noahides out there have had the opportunity to study and read the commentaries. You know, you, you soon understand, uh, as, a, as a student of Torah, that, that Hashem, you know, the Creator, clothes Himself in history. You know, otherwise, you know, if, if, if we were to literally see Him at work all the time, you, you know, we wouldn't have free will. And so one of my favorite uh, commentaries in, in the Torah is uh, actually will come later uh, as, as, as the Israelites arrive at, at uh, Har Sinai, at Mount Sinai. And that is when Moses asks the creator if, if he can see his glory. And of course, his response is, well, no man can see me and live. But he says, I'll show you my backside. And he says he hides him in a rock and he passes by. And he sees his glory. And for years, I never understood that. First of all, I thought, I, well, how does God have a backside? You know, and but but really what you learn from the, the commentaries uh, from the sages is that what Hashem was showing Moses, he was showing him history. He was saying, you you will see my glory as history unfolds. Right. Because everything I've said to you in my in, in, in through my prophets and through my Torah Ever, as as these things unfold, you will know that I am, and you will know that these things are true, and that they were spoken by you know the the, the God of of gods, you know the the one true God of Abraham, Isaac, and Yaakov. And yeah, it does it does give you pause, and you can you can read the Torah Parsha every week, and and it is certainly applicable to uh, it, it, like you've commented, it's like reading a, a headline. And, well, I think I think the other thing too, Jim, is uh, we oftentimes hear this from from many people. Almost, it's almost used to an extent where it it is it, it has no uh, 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 real penetration to us anymore. And that's the phrase, the living Torah. And to me, this is what represents the living Torah. Hashem is history. His Torah is history. His Torah is life, and 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 it is living, and you can see it week to week reading the parsha it is indeed a living torah and rather just rather than just saying the word to literally experience it is where it really has the most impact on us well right i mean this is a thing i think where uh people who are not familiar with with the torah and with its with its true uh flavor and and, and its true teachings uh they they often um and I know when I was a Christian, for instance, I would often default to kind of a a mental um a sort of a mental worship of the creator and that's not what it's all about it's it's yes it's it's about thinking but it's about doing the the Torah is literally as you pointed out it's a living Torah and it's all about the way that we do things and the way we live our lives and that is what makes uh, that's that's what makes our lives holy is by doing things that are holy, and I think we we want to maybe uh, explore that particular line, and and not get too far off subject, which is to talk about uh, what we'd like to do for terror victims, uh, especially here on Noahide Nations, and we want to talk about that coming up in the next segment, Ray. But we'll be right back after this break with more with Ray Patterson and myself, Jim Long, right here on Noahide Nations. With Pesach approaching, Tour Plus is offering the English-speaking public a fantastic experience in Israel's leading hotels. Tour Plus has a stellar reputation for being the most professional and experienced hotel operator catering to the Orthodox community. We pay special attention to kashu standards, providing glat bahadrin kosher food and shmura matzah in each hotel. 
Visit us online at www.tourplus.co.il and click on English at the top. That's tourplus.co.il. Tour Plus, for the complete vacation. Welcome back to Noahide Nations on IsraelNationalRadio.com. I am Jim Long, your co-host, and here's your host, Ray Pedersen. Hi, Ray. Hey, Jim. Good to be back on the other side here with you. Welcome back, sir. And, you know, we were talking about uh, a very important concept of, of, of be- becoming uh, conversant in, in the words of Hashem's Torah. And that is its, its, its words, its thoughts, but more than anything, its deeds because because as we were speaking during the break, when uh, Am Israel, the people of Israel, were standing at, at Mount Sinai and the Torah was, be, was being given to them, uh, they uttered a very curious phrase, didn't they, Ray? They said, we will do and we will hear. And that's exactly the way it works. By, by that, Exactly. That is the power of Torah. It, it is our actions that bring us closer to Hashem. You know, and, when a, they, and when they made that statement, we will do and we will hear, that's what allowed them to become a nation of priests. Well, and the, the, there's this wonderful uh, story uh, that that uh, I often have told to my, my children when I've tried to explain to them that it, it has nothing to do with the way you feel about the way you do, do things in life. Feelings are a wonderful thing. But a feeling can fool you. Uh, it's it's you you are to do things because you know because your head tells you to do the right thing, not your heart. If you're if if you're doing the right thing, uh, if your if your head tells you to do the right thing long enough, then your heart will 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 also feel you're doing the right thing. There is a saying among the sages that the heart follows action, and one of my favorite stories, Ray, has to do with. Uh, two gentlemen who who went to their respective rabbis because they were both very wealthy gentlemen and they they wanted to practice charity they wanted they wanted to uh, to to practice uh zedakah. and but they but both of them didn't feel like doing it they knew it was the right thing to do but they didn't feel like it and they they needed their rabbi to help them out with it so each rabbi told the gentleman uh, they said the same thing to them. They said, well, our sages tell us that the heart follows action, that your heart will, will you, that, that your feelings will follow your actions. So you've simply got to start doing charity. So one of the rabbis told his, his uh, friend, he said, um, here, take, take uh, $100 and go and give $1 away to 100 people. And the other rabbi told the other gentleman, Take $100 and go give it to somebody that needs it. And, of course, the question is asked, Ray, which of these men began to feel more charitable and began to have a heart and a feeling? Which one of these men became more charitable because they they felt more charitable? The individual who was giving a dollar to each person. Right. Amen. And and the reasoning for that is because they were doing it repeatedly. Exactly. And and, 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 in essence, creating a habit which comes from Hashem. One of my pet peeves these days, well, for always, any any film lately, well, maybe the last 50 years, the the, the line that always makes me groan is, is when the 
protagonist is told by the the wise seer or sage or old timer, whoever is giving them his advice and says, you know, son, all you got to do is follow your heart. Well, what if, what if, you know, what if your heart says, I want to go rape, rob and pillage? You know what I mean? So, so your feelings really can fool you. So the thing is the, so this is, this is why there will be a time when the Torah will be written on the hearts of people because they are doing Torah all the time, just as they said it. Harsinai. And I guess this is a great segue, Ray. We, we, we've, I hope people haven't noticed the way we've tried to set this up. First at the show, uh, you know, uh, we were talking about our concern about the, the real people who are the victims of terror and also the need to, to do good deeds, as in charity. And you have come up with, I think, which is a wonderful idea, uh, and, and there's a lot of wonderful components to it, you have come up with a concept for Noahide Nations and for anyone connected with Noahide Nations and anyone who wants to do this thing to help relieve victims of terror. And you have called, you're calling this organization you're setting up within Noahide, you're calling it GIVE. Right. And it actually stands for Global Intifada Victims Emergency Relief Fund, or as you say, GIVE Relief. Right, and the 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 proceeds uh, are going to be literally going to help many thousands of victims who have suffered great loss as a result of the acts of terrorism committed against them. I mean, we're we're talking about people, and I know this isn't you know widespread on on the news or newspapers or, or anywhere, but there have been literally. Thousands and thousands of people who've lost loved ones, they've lost homes, they've lost their uh, uh, employment. Uh, many of them have lost everything as a, a, because of acts of terrorism. I mean, terrorism is a cancer, and, and I'm hoping and praying, and, and with Hashem's help, one day in our time, it will be eradicated. And this project kind of came to my heart as I was sitting and, and watching news of all these protests going on against Israel. And it made me think, well, who is fighting on behalf of Israel? And, you know, it, 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 this is what struck me. So I, I sat down and said, you know what? I can't run around the streets of Gaza as an IDF soldier with a machine gun. I mean, number one, they, I have no training. Number two, I'm too old. They wouldn't take me. So I can't be one of those people on the front lines. But you know what? We can all do something, and we can all be part of the support on the back end, as I call it. And and the support will actually come out in multiple forms. Uh, we will be uh, donating food. We'll be donating clothing, uh, you know, day-to-day necessities like soap toothpaste, you know, maybe a little deodorant, maybe even a shaving kit. And we certainly need to be able to provide these folks who have lost their homes a shelter. Uh, We need to be able to provide them some counseling. I mean, so many of these folks have lost loved ones. They they need help. They need understanding. They need somebody to talk to. Right. Um, Right. You know, I I understand that a lot of the uh, people who even lost their homes uh, from the, uh, the Gush Katif, Incidents. There are a lot of Israelis who still have not uh, had had a place to settle down and call their uh, themselves a, a home, even even since Gush Katif. Well, and I have to tell you, between you, me, the audience, and the wall here, I consider that 
an act of terrorism because it was done purely as a response for peace, a demand made basically by the world, implemented by the Palestinians, and then the government of Israel, who forcibly removed these people from their homes and, and, and their lives, basically overnight ruined and took away everything they had in terms of homes, property, with a promise that we will take care of you and provide what you have in another area of Israel. And exactly what you say has happened. Uh, They're still walking on the streets, many of them living in poverty. They have nothing to eat. We are going to be helping these folks as well, because again, I feel that this was an act of terrorism perpetrated on these poor Jewish people by their own government, and the idea of uh, bringing peace, which we know, of course, was never going to work. It was never designed to work. All it did was move them to a new area, move the, the Palestinians to a new area in which to now continue to launch their, their missiles into Israel. And that was the only cause for the delay was that they needed a window of time to be able to move in the the missiles of peace into Gaza so that they could now uh, start launching again into Israel much more closely to many communities. Well, I understand, so, yeah, I understand, Ray, that uh, not only will you be helping out uh, the Jewish families who've been displaced at Gush Katif, uh, the victims of the rocket fire into Stadarot, uh, there, there's, I, I think you're right. I think that a lot of uh, the efforts will go to uh and I think one of the reasons that we need to help out those who have been displaced uh those Jewish families who've been displaced in Israel is because it will also be a way to awaken the world that that this is a that these people of that the people of Israel are suffering almost on a daily basis. I heard that after the ceasefire in Gaza that the rocket mortar fire started up all over again. Oh, right. Absolutely. I mean, it's almost like for them, it's business as usual. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's only Israel who was supposed to respond to what is politically correct for that day. Yeah. And and in the meantime, uh, Hamas and whoever can do whatever they want, whenever they want, uh, to basically whoever they want, which is the Jewish people. Well, I want to talk I want to talk a little bit about a a, a kind of a, a pleasant aspect to this, if there can be. And that is that you had this wonderful idea. Uh, I mean, you know, people can send money in and that type of thing. That's the easy. That's the easy thing to do. But you talked about doing a benefit album uh, to help raise money. Can you talk a little bit about right. the idea right. for the album? In- in fact, Jim, it was a discussion that you and I had that kind of prompted this whole thing. Uh, you know, we're, we're talking, I'm not sure what the subject matter was, but the, 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 the true essence of it was, boy, it'd be nice if there was some Noahide music out there. And we're talking about, boy, it'd be nice to be able to interview somebody who had actually done a, a Noahide song sure. and maybe even play the song on the air. So it all kind of started from that point. And then I kind of took it to the next step. I, I happened to uh, have a friend by the name, name of uh, Sam uh, Glaser, who is, uh, well, I, I guess you might say a big time uh, uh, music uh, professional. He's an, uh, an entertainer. In fact, uh, Sam was uh, voted in the top. 10 Jewish entertainers of America in uh, a moment magazine. Wow. And uh, so I figured, you know what, I'm going to give Sam a call and just toss this challenge out to him 
of of producing and you know writing composing and in producing a song and lay down the tracks and get it to us so that we could do an interview and and do this song on air and you know maybe make a a a cd on it or something so anyway i called sam and i left a message for him and and bless his heart, he called me uh, about you know two three days after it, and it was right after Hanukkah had ended. And he says, Ray, you know, I'm sorry, I, I didn't get back with you. I just got back from a whirlwind uh, Hanukkah concert tour, and one of the stops was at the White House. And you know, I just got back, and I got your message. I wanted to give you a call, and uh, you know, I could tell in his voice he was very, very tired. But he loves Noahide nations. Uh, wow. There's something in his heart that there's this calling to support Noahides, to support Noahide nations. So I, I threw out this idea about a song. And he says, gosh, Ray, it's uh, really funny we're having this discussion because on my trip home, and just as I was picking the phone up to call you, I was pondering what my 20th album was going to be. Because he's done 19, and he's trying to figure out what he's going to do with his 20th album. And so I thought, well, gosh, you know, it would be kind of neat if it was actually a, a Noahide album. But, uh, you know, back from my days in, in, in Hollywood and my limited experience in the music industry, uh, I know that, you know, we're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars to sure. produce a, a high-quality, I guess, ready-for-radio uh, type of, of album release. And, you know, I told him this is all wonderful, but there's no way we can come up, you know, Noahide Nations can't come up with a couple hundred thousand dollars for a record, you know, and he says, well, let's see what we can do. And he, he, he starts dropping off figures because he owns a recording studio, which other professionals record their albums at. Uh, he himself don't, would donate his time and his talent in writing and composing the songs, and he would donate the studio time, we got all the way down from a couple hundred thousand down to like 30,000, which was uh, basically for the uh, union, which uh, all musicians are part of. And when they go into a studio for anything just to show up, they have to be paid. Sure. So we got all the way down to like, you know, 12 songs, 2,500 to all the musicians, and that would produce an album. Well, and I knew at the time that, you know what, even 30,000, you may as well ask me for 30 million because the answer is still going to be the same. And I said, well, you know, let's see what we can do. And and so then you and I got together after that. And then uh, mm-hmm. Hashem gave this idea to you. Well, why don't we see if we can go ahead and get some musicians? a Jewish or Noahide, doesn't matter, to write the songs, lay down the tracks, and donate it to this album to then be sold as a a, a benefit album for this Give Relief Fund, which I thought was a great idea. So I wound up calling Sam again. And, you know, tossed this idea out to him, which, of course, he loved and fully understood that, you know, we just we were not in a position to be able to pay thirty thousand dollars or 30 million for that matter. But he says, you know what, I would I would be honored to write and compose this song for you. So I said, great, let me know when you get it done, thinking, you know, the guy does concert tours, he's got a studio he's running, I, yeah, I'm not going to hear for this guy for, for six months. He sends me an email three or four days later, and in the email he says, I, I've got, yeah, you need to call me. I was over at my parents, and it hit me like a whirlwind, the music and the words 
for this Noahide song. So give me a call. I want to play it for you. I want to sing it for you. So naturally, I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, I need to bring my wife in here because if she hears me on the phone, uh, on the speakerphone with some guy singing a song to me, she's going to think something weird's going on. So I, I go and get my wife. We come into the office. I give Sam a call, put him on speaker. He runs to his studio, phone in hand, sets it down, and on his keyboard, he sings this brand new Noahide song for us. And in his email previous to us calling him, he said that he had written the song in five minutes and happened to be going over to a friend of his, a Jewish friend of his engagement party, and nobody wanted to talk. They asked the rabbi to say a few words. He didn't want to. They asked the best man to say a few words. He didn't want to. So Sam jumps up. He says, well, I want to. I got a song to sing for you guys. Let me know what you think. So he sings this Noahide song, and everybody was floored. Everybody loved it. Well, I, I and, have to and, I have to ask, though, at this point, of course, I, this is it's a little bit unfair to the listeners because I understand that he that the track is not even ready to even listen to yet, is it? No, it's not. Uh, in fact, the finished version of it uh, just got uh, completed, uh, what about a week and a half, two weeks ago, and he's going to be laying down the tracks with studio musicians uh, in the next month. So we should actually have that submission of that song by Sam Glaser in, in you know approximately a month. Yeah. And we've already, just from people that I've talked to, like, for example, on our Noahide Nation, Yahoo group, I kind of, you know, put out the word a little bit that, you know, we were looking to do this, and I've already got a, a submission from that, and also got an email from another gentleman who is going to lay down tracks for his Noahide song, and I happen, in fact, you and I happen to know this individual, and he's very good, and I'm anxious to uh, get his song submission, too. So, in essence, right now, out of 12 songs, we already have three, and we haven't even told anybody yet. Yeah, so, and I, I should point out to, to our listeners who, who are probably a little disappointed that you couldn't play at least a snippet of, of Sam's song, is that w- what Sam did for you he, simply he just sang the thing live to you over the phone, didn't he? Exactly. Yeah. That's why I had to invite my wife in because if she'd have heard this, she'd have known something odd was going on. Well, the thing so. that the thing that we really, you know, the thing that we want to let everybody know that's listening, and, and this is a, a, a large hint we're dropping here uh, to to our <laughs> listeners, is if you have if you possess a gift that Hashem has given you in the way of musical ability, or if you know someone who you believe has has a great musical gift, singer, songwriter, or both. Um, we, we, you know, you pointed out the cost of, of course, you know, Sam is, is in one particular level of, of the professional realm where he, he goes into a studio, he has to pay the musicians. There are other musicians, musicians out there who literally have, uh, some of the lower cost software and can actually record these sessions in their own homes. Absolutely. And so what we're looking for, uh, we're sending out an appeal right now to our listeners, uh, for, compositions which are geared towards the Noahide concept or the Noahide laws, something that we can fill up in a, in a CD that will extol the virtues of following the seven laws and following Torah. Uh, just just be inspired uh, and, 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 you know, see what, where Hashem takes you uh, and, and pass the idea along to, to your musical friends. And let's see if we can't put together uh, just a, a wonderful... Uh, 
12-song collection of songs for B'nai Noach. And this, as, as Ray pointed out, uh, we're, going to, we're going to sell this, this CD, and all of the proceeds will go to this organization which Noahide Nations has started, which is called Give. And uh, uh, we have what you, you said by now, three songs, Ray? Right. And I wanted uh, to kind of back up what you were saying is that this isn't exclusive to just Noahides to sit down and write oh, a song. No, no, no. If it's if if you're a Jewish person, uh, please, please, we know you folks have much, much talent to offer. If you want to submit songs, I encourage you. I want you to. Uh, and of course, Noahides as well. And quite frankly, all we can really do is put ourselves in a position to receive Hashem's blessing. We talk about twelve songs to do one CD. If we wind up getting 50 songs or 60 songs or however many it is, and they're all, you know, they're they're quality and we have enough to do two or three, we'll put together a benefit box set. Amen. It just it just doesn't matter. What what matters is that we are going to be helping people. As I mentioned before, you know, most of us aren't able to be on the front lines combating this worldwide cancerous plague called terrorism, but we can offer our help to begin the healing process much quicker. We can make the lives of these victims of terrorism far better and and provide tangible hope in an absolutely hopeless situation. We can let these people know that they're not alone and that there is still goodness in the world. And and it is so vitally important to let them know that we stand with them, so much so that here is some tangible evidence of that. It's the only way these people are going to be able to recover in, in, in a rapid fashion is with support from us. And I know things are tough right now. Let's face it, it's becoming tough all over the world, and it is truly a test. And I believe a test from Hashem is how badly... Are we prepared to help people? And as you mentioned earlier, and it's a sad commentary, unfortunately, the main benefactor of this fund will undoubtedly be Israel, just by virtue of what goes on there routinely. Right. I think this is a good place to kind of wrap it up. And uh, I'm going to say a a farewell to everybody. And uh, I'll say goodbye. Thanks for listening. Ray, how do they contact us here at Noahide Nation? Send us your emails with questions to noahide at israelnationalradio.com. If you want to submit a song, please send that to Ray at noahidenations.com. And we'll see you next week. And always remember to look to the heavens. Look to Hashem for your strength. Because, my friends, Hashem is always looking out for you. Shavuotov. Thanks very much, Ray. And remember, you're listening to Noahide Nations right here on IsraelNationalRadio.com. For the past 40 years, Baruch Nachshon has been creating his colorful paintings in the holy city of Hebron. There's nothing like his paintings. His paintings are one of a kind. Now the picture of your dreams can be in your living room. Click on www.nachshonartstore.com and Baruch's symbolic, surrealist, visionary creations can be yours. You have golden hands, you use them. And he has golden hands. Baruch Nachshon lithographs, posters, books, and more. Right? 
bright, colorful, intense visions of Hebron, Jerusalem, and other Jewish themes. That's www.nachshonartstore.com. Baruch Nachshon is a genius in his work. 